This is the OC Podcast. The OC, also known as the App Performance Center, is the Exos Managed Fitness Center at the RealPage headquarters in Texas. Our podcast is here to educate, motivate, and entertain. What's up, guys? We are coming back to you with another podcast. It's been a minute since we brought one of these to you. We are coming to you from the App Performance Center here at HQ in Richardson. I am Simra Tynes, the program manager. If you've listened to any of our previous podcasts, we've got a new staff member joining us today. Pamela? My name is Pamela, thank you. And I am the assistant program manager here at HQ. Awesome, well, what we're gonna talk about today, we're gonna warm up with a little bit about us, a history of how we got into this industry, some of our favorite exercises and ways to train. We're gonna go into our main set where we kind of talk and break down what the terminologies um, in the gym are, kind of give you a, a brief overview of how to know how to design your own workout program so you can be self-sufficient in getting to your goals. And then we'll cool down with a few takeaways. You ready to get started? Let's go. All right. Time to warm up. Let's get moving. All right, so since we introduced you, we want to get to know you a little bit better. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you? How'd you get into this industry? You know, what are your specialties? Tell us your story. So I started getting into this industry about five years ago, five years ago or so when I actually took on my own fitness journey or weight loss journey, honestly. And from there, I started to surround myself in the gym environment and the fitness environment because I felt that the passion people exuded in the gym was so mm -hmm. contagious that then mm -hmm. gave me passion to want to continue moving, to continue going and continue finding my happiness within myself. So my fitness journey has started five years ago and continued going and has led me to be where I am today here at RealPage as an assistant program manager helping others with their journey and resonating with them and reflecting on what I went through seeing that in other people as well. So that's what's given me that passion to be here and to be in fitness. That's yeah I, I remember seeing some pictures of you before you went through that weight loss journey. I would have never thought that that was you. So first of all, good job. Did that inspire you? Was it then that you wanted to, you know, go get your degree in this field or what? It was at the probably third year into my fitness journey. That was when I was graduating high school and stuff where I needed to decide what is it that I had passion for and what is it that I wanted mm -hmm. to continue helping people with. And because fitness was something I felt a passion with and I felt it made me happier, me naturally being very bubbly, wanted to share that happiness with others. And if I found a way that wasn't judging or demeaning or, or you know, affecting me negatively to my mental, mental health, then I want to help others to do that, which led me to choose um, the degree in exercise science so I can educate people more about what I've learned, but with more detail and more in layman terms, because yeah. I was lost mm -hmm. when I started, you know. That's, I did not know anything. Yeah, I mean, like most of us, we weren't born with this knowledge, of course. Okay, so now that I'm like listening to your journey, I'm trying to think back like if I were to have been you or like known you, what did you do to find your success? Like did you go Google something? Did you hire a personal trainer? Like how did you start or, or be successful in this journey? Starting in my journey, 
it all started because in high school I wanted a prom date and <laughs> to have a prom date you had to look pretty fit okay. you know boys in high school are not very nice <laughs> so I started going to a family gym that we had and within that family gym they did their first weight loss program and I was already an employee at this point at the gym hmm. and it was very fitting for me to just do the program free of cost right I decided to do this program and in this program they had a person who worked at a supplement store who was also um, majored in exercise science and had nutrition education as well and this individual for some reason we clicked and he decided to help me a lot more with nutrition and mm -hmm. things like that cool. and so really I did it on my own but I couldn't have done it completely on my yeah. own without the support of this other person wanting to exude effort and energy on helping that's me that's awesome yeah I like that what about you Simro I mean we're talking too much about me <laughs> I want to hear your story okay. uh, well it's nothing like yours but I think it is important how we can put ourselves in the shoes of others and, and just tell people that we weren't always confident in the gym. We weren't always someone that knew what to do when we walked into that environment. And so I remember in college, before I had declared exercise science as my major, I would go to the gym because again, you know, you, you feel like maybe you want to look good for somebody or you just want to feel good. And so I was that person that would just go and get on the elliptical. I don't want to just say that that's always women, but I was that girl that didn't know anything. And so I just went in, did the elliptical and went home until one day I thought, okay, I think I want to go over there and try some of the weights. And so I started doing the machines. And I didn't know how to work some of those machines. And I felt stupid. And then I thought, why is it stupid for me to read the instructions on the machine so that I could learn how to use the machine? And I just told myself, if, if someone's going to think I'm dumb for trying to read how to use this machine properly, let them. Because that's what the instructions are there for. <laughs> and so that's really, I remember it so vividly in my head. That was my very first step to moving forward and educating myself. Through that, I actually started enjoying it more. I then said, okay, I want to move over into the free weight section. But that's where all the guys were. And I was like, you know what? Again, if they want to look at me and say, you shouldn't be here. Why shouldn't I? I'm trying to better my health. And so I'd watch others. And then I would also just kind of look stuff up. But then I thought, I really enjoy this. I wonder if there's a degree in this. I literally had no idea that they had a degree in exercise. And once I found that there was, I was ecstatic. I remember going home, telling my parents, I'm going to change my degree and I'm going to be a personal trainer. And they said, oh, you shouldn't do that. You're never going to make any money. <laughs> Heard that. <laughs> and I said I was almost discouraged by that and I'm so thankful I didn't listen because as soon as I declared my major and started taking those classes my GPA went up like I felt purpose I started learning and really enjoying school all the way until I, I graduated and I wasn't done I was like I like this so much I'm gonna keep going and getting my master's in exercise so that's basically my story of how I got into fitness and into this industry yep so now that you're in the industry Tell me about your hardest part while going through training. Okay. Um, well, right now I'm not specifically training for anything, um, but I will think back to when I have trained for specific things. Like I've done a bikini competition, and 
I've also done an Ironman, which is a triathlon, and both things are so different in their training. You have to think about, obviously, with the bikini competition, your diet is on point. You have to almost like think about every single thing you're putting into your body, but you're also exercising. Now, I'm naturally small and petite, and so I didn't have to, my coach actually, I hired a coach. Uh, my coach actually told me not to do cardio because I really needed to put on more muscle and just lift and then eat well. But then as an Ironman, all you're doing is cardio, <laughs> essentially. There's two totally different training regimens in both of those things I have experienced. And I would say the hardest part for, let's say, bikini competition is really not having the flexibility in your diet and social life because you have to stay consistent with your food. And that's gonna be anyone trying to achieve any weight loss goal, especially when you're trying to get those results where you're supposed to get on stage. As far as an Ironman, um, I would say it's just really having to get up every day early, early to get in those long workouts because if you're really trying to hit that goal, then you have to find the time to train that way. And an Ironman is an all-day event, back-to-back, <laughs> swim, bike, ride, and so you have, you cannot skip workouts for that. So I think um, with that one, it's just the consistency. I know I'm talking a lot. I think I wanna ask you, when you put yourself in someone's shoes, do you remember, like, I mean, you've actually been here, but do you remember a time when you didn't know how to design a workout program so thinking back to your journey what did you do it was a little similar to yours when I didn't know how to design a workout program the first thing I did was okay let me hop on a treadmill let me just go ahead and walk and mm -hmm. then I'm like one mile two miles then after that I'm like those that's getting boring I'm here for hours just walking I could have done that at home paying paying money for a gym <laughs> at our gym they broke down the site into like free weights and cable machines and then cardio area so I decided to go in the cable machine area, and in that area they have everything broken down to like legs, upper body, lower body, and it was like in a circuit already mm -hmm. spread out that way. So I just went through the entire circuit. I don't know how many body parts I worked, <laughs> but I just went through the entire circuit, okay. and that was it. You just kind of followed what was already set out for you. Exactly. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. really a plan. Yeah. But hey, it worked. I mean, there are gyms out there that have the machine set up in a certain way, and I think that's intentional, right? Yep. Well, you know what? If you have an inspirational story out there or a favorite thing or way that you've trained in the past and you want to share it with us, we always want to get to know you better, too. So let us know. On to the main set. Going in three, two, one. Pamela, you know what annoys me as a trainer? No, but if you tell me. <laughs> I think it's when someone points to their belly and they say, I want to work this area, what can I do? Or I want to have a planner workout so I can get rid of this. And they point to their belly. Oh my gosh, I've heard this one already. <laughs> All the time, right? So if that's you, I'm going to say you need to go back and listen to our second podcast, mm -hmm. How to Lose Belly Fat, <laughs> because in that podcast, it's going to explain you can't spot reduce, meaning you can't just target one area to, to lose fat. Um, I wish you could. That would make it easy, right? It would. <laughs> Honestly, I tried. It <laughs> yeah, doesn't work. It doesn't. But it'll also explain that if you're really trying to lose maybe fat in that midsection, it's mostly nutrition, a little cardio, but it's not a ton of crunches like everyone thinks. 
And yep. so <laughs> when we write programs for somebody and they think, oh, I just said I wanted to work my abs and there's not a lot of crunches in this program, so then they don't do the program. <laughs> that ties into my second probably big annoyance as a trainer is I spend all this time writing a program for somebody and then they don't do it. They don't follow through. And it's hard because it's time consuming on us. Yeah. And I know after my 16, 17 years in this industry, I've, I love what I do and I really wanna help people. And if I see someone's trying to help themselves, I will be all in. But I think I've just been burned so many times writing so many plans that I see people just don't do it. You know what though, yeah. honestly, I think it's just cause Sometimes it's not the workout that's the problem. It's just we as humans have this tendency to either ignore our minds or lie to ourselves. You know, we don't have the ability to be honest with ourselves and we call it accountability. We really do. But I think accountability is kind of like a gray line word. We don't want to say that we can't keep ourselves accountable or we can't be honest with ourselves. So we use accountability as coaches, classes, trainers to find ways to make sure like it's planned. But even when that happens, people still don't always follow through. And that's where we're finding like, what can we do as trainers? What, what is it? Is it the lack of education, the lack of awareness of, of where to go, what to do, who to reach out to? So, you know, we're always working on finding ways to modify the way we're approaching everyone. What can we do to help y'all? So we've decided it's education. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. And I mean, you were talking about being honest with yourself. Sometimes I guess the reason maybe someone doesn't follow through is because they're really not ready. You know, that whole pre-contemplation stage of I'm ready to do this, or they're taking that step and they think they're ready and then they get into it and they're like, no, I wasn't as committed as I thought. Yeah. So yeah, being honest with yourself, that's good. Yeah, so going back to education, like that is what I'm all about. I think why I really appreciate someone that maybe purchase this personal training so that they could learn how to do things in the gym or how what to do in the gym. I love those clients the most because Me too. Yeah, because they want to know what to do so they don't need us and that is what I'm about because I don't I'm not a salesman. I don't I'm not trying to make money off people. I really want them to know so they don't need me. It's that whole saying of like teach a man to fish because I want everyone to be able to know so that then they can decide what they want to do, how to do it. And, and really not necessarily not need us, but at least be self-sufficient. Right, time. and it's not that we don't want clients, right? <laughs> it's, it's really that we want clients to be better and we want to get more clients in to learn this kind of education. It's like when you go to school, you don't stay in the same grade all the time. Mm -hmm. You keep progressing and you go and you graduate and then yeah. you get college and everything like that. It's like we wanna teach that kind of education. So on that note, we are going to start educating you about those do's, don'ts, and... How to build a program, yeah. That's the basics. Yeah, so what do we start with first? So before you start a program, you have to kind of know the why, the why behind you're doing this in the first place, and that starts with goals. You need to have your goals outlined so that you can know why you're doing this, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it can motivate you. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we are such externally motivated people understanding what is it that we're getting out of what we're doing. Goals, right? And it can also, like having your goals outlined, it will help you build that program because let's think about how to define a goal. You wanna break it down into, you've heard SMART goals. If you haven't, you can go Google it, but it's specific, it needs to be a specific goal. It can't just be, I wanna lose weight. 
that's not specific, uh, measurable. You need to have something to measure against. It needs to be achievable, attainable. It needs to be relevant or relatable, and it needs to be timely. So you need to put some time to it. So it's not just like, I'm gonna lose weight. Well, I wanna lose weight by this much time. And that's still general. It's like, I wanna lose how much weight by mm -hmm. this time through doing this. <laughs> and so that's really breaking that goal down. And then we talked about measurable. You need to like do some type of measurement so that you have a baseline to go off of. Like, how do you know if your program's effective or not? Well, in the fitness world, this measurable actually has a term. This measurable is always going to be like those fitness assessments, mm -hmm. health screenings, even blood tests, yep. even mobility movements. So in the corporate industry, when we have clients that come up to us, a lot of the first few assessments we do is just watching their pattern of movements, their mm -hmm. shoulder mobility, their posture, and those are easy assessments that we do as trainers just scanning without having to write anything down, but we are talking assessments that you write down, assessments that help us track progress, something that starts you somewhere and then we can go back six, three months later to see where did you start mm -hmm. and where are you now? Yeah, that's how you know if something's effective or not. And sometimes your assessment might come first and then you develop goals or it changes your goal. So you might go do your health screening for your health insurance and you realize you have high blood pressure. Okay, well now that's gonna determine your goal to lower your blood pressure, which determines your program or plan of action to get that down. Yep. So it could go either way, but these are the things that have to take place before you write out your program. Absolutely. Yeah. So now that we understand what goals are, let's get to building our program. So when you're now ready to build your workout program or say even when we're writing a workout program for someone, before we even get to that point, we also have to know what do you have available to you like equipment-wise? Do you have a gym? Are you working out at home? What do you have to use? And then I think even more importantly is like, what are your limitations? If you're trying to run a marathon and you have really bad knees, that's gonna change how I write this program. Or, or how, how frequently you. you do something. Yeah, absolutely, like what you do. You might not do a ton of high impact running, you might cross train with the elliptical or swimming even. So I think now we're ready to build a program for someone or you're ready to build a program. What is the one? main point we need to tell them right now? First of all, point blank, there is not one right or wrong way to train. That's absolutely right. I think everyone's different, not just obviously our goals, but something might work for Pamela that doesn't work for me. And a lot of that goes into like what she likes might not be what I like. And if you don't like it, you're not gonna wanna do it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, okay, so tell us about one training variation that you might put into someone's program. Specifically for me, I like to do a lot of like single movement or single body movement training variations and I also like to do um, more like a push-pull kind of variation. So define that. What does that mean, a push-pull? Push-pull. So there are pushes in movements and there are pulls in movements and it's exactly what it sounds like. I'm pulling a weight towards me or up to the ground or I'm pushing myself or a weight away from me. And you can vary the type of muscle groups that you are working with within those terminologies, within pushing and pulling. So mm -hmm. push-pull gives me a lot of variety and doesn't make me feel so constrained to certain movements. Balance, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think balance is important just to remember 
throughout, no matter what the format or training variation is, is having that balance. I've heard a lot of people do upper body, lower body. They might do muscle splits, meaning I'm gonna work back and, and biceps. And I mean, back when I started, I used to do muscle splits too. Mm -hmm. I thought that was the easiest thing. One muscle every single day. <laughs> yeah, so how do you determine, or how do you know what muscles you choose? For me, I think I've, in early days, learned a front muscle and a back muscle. So my biceps are on the front of my body, my back is on the back of my body. So I would pair those two together. That's what I've learned yeah. too. Mm -hmm. um, and for my push-pull, I kind of work like that too. So it's not upper-lower all the time, but it's like the front muscle and then the back muscle can't get forgotten. Or I do an upper body push, then I do a lower body push. Yeah, if we got into a little bit more specifics, we would explain that it's because of the contraction. It, it contracts one way and it relaxes the other way and that's why, but we don't need to go into that much depth. It's just really being about that balance again, allowing one muscle group to rest while the other one works and vice versa. Absolutely. Um, I think when I write programs for, let's say just the general client, I think of functionality. I want them to move better, and so I'm gonna choose movements that will help them in their everyday life. But to be honest, when I train myself, I don't work that way, I don't train that way. <laughs> so I think it kinda goes back to the person's goals or my goals or how we prefer to train and what we like to do. But yeah, there's not one way. Agreed. What about sets and reps? Like, how do you know how many sets and reps do we put on there? I mean, do you do three for everything? Sometimes I've had clients tell me, you guys like the number 12, or you like the number 15 yeah. or 20. Why is that? And yeah. I'm like, well, they actually have reason. You yeah, know? there's guidelines out there that are established by these organizations. You know, you always hear this three sets of eight to 12, and that's standard. Starting out, you always wanna start out easier so it might just be one or two sets of something with a lighter weight or a body weight and that's where you kind of just get this mid-level rep range of that 8 to 12. Now that might work for somebody it might not it also depends on the intensity and what the weight is mm -hmm. so a, a lot of times if let's say if you are just doing something on your own feel your body be in tune with what your body is going through and, and just base it off of that. Absolutely, and as a reminder, like we said in the beginning of all this, there's no one way to truly work out. You know, here in a corporate setting, people tend to wear gym shoes and they'll come in, do a couple of movements, and then come right back out because that's what works for them. How do you, how do you determine sets and reps to that when people are coming in in different time frames? Really, the overall end all is focusing on that movement. Sets and reps are good, starting low and controlled before you intensify things like anything. Start with moderation and increase as you go. That creates that progression. Then you'll start learning that you'll know what sets and reps work best for you and work with progress in yeah, your favor. I might, I might be training a client and I wrote out that this person needs to do two sets of 12 of, of an exercise and as I'm watching them, I'm, I'm very in tune of like, say their facial expression even and mm -hmm. their quality of movement. And then I said, oh, that's way too easy. So we're gonna do another round or that's way too easy. So I'm gonna give you a heavier weight and then we're gonna do 10 instead of the 12 because it's heavier weight. So yeah, feel free to adapt on the fly too because just cause you have it written down doesn't mean it has to be that way. But yeah, just be flexible, feel sure. your body, know what you're going through and what you need. Okay, so Pamela, we've just told them to feel their body, 
<laughs> and that it could be anything. But I don't think that someone that hasn't done anything can walk away yet and say, I feel confident in writing my own program, so let's give them some guidelines. Well, great. There are some guidelines, free online resources. This resource that I'm using here for you all is called ACSM Guidelines for Exercise. Um, you have a few guidelines for three categories, actually. Cardiorespiratory, which is going to be your cardio, resistance, which is going to be your strength training, and flexibility, which is exactly what we talk about, stretching, flexibility, mobility here. We're going to start with cardiorespiratory guidelines. So on average for healthy adults, you want to work out frequencies of three to five times a week for about 30 to an hour or so every week. So an average is 30 minutes, and that's normal. An hour is usually for more advanced people, and that's for cardio training. So and this like, is just for general fitness? General if, public. In, gener in general fitness. So like if someone's trying to go for weight loss, there's going to be more, but we're just saying to start, if you're not doing anything, these are the guidelines to follow. Yeah. The next one is for resistance. So for resistance, you're going to want to try to incorporate this about two to three times a week for a general person. And you're going to want to start with about two to four sets of however many reps that make you feel comfortable. So usually the average starting reps will be anywhere between eight to 15 for beginners. And then the weight, again, obviously start lighter. Um, we're not gonna get into like the percentage of your max lifted weight. Again, we're just kind of giving basics Absolutely. to go from and, and you go from there because everyone's so different. We can't give specific goals <laughs> on this podcast. Absolutely. And, and just to touch upon on the resistance and the weight, a good little self-test to do is say if your max amount of repetitions to perform is 15 and you have a 12-pound dumbbell, if you know that you can do 20, then that 12 pound dumbbell might be too light for you mm -hmm. to get that goal of 15. So that is a good way to self-assess, is this weight right for me? Yeah. So now our next training will be flexibility. The frequency in this that's suggested is about two to three times a week. So that could be days, that could be in one week as well. And it's about four repetitions per group. Now the repetitions for flexibility is a little different. These are more time consuming. You're holding these repetitions and these are also very easy to incorporate in the beginning of your workouts, at the end of your workouts. Throughout your work Throughout day. your work day, absolutely. <laughs> little plug for our stretch breaks here. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but, so do you, if, if you don't feel comfortable even still, that's what we're here for. We're here to help you. But again, we want you to be able to take these steps without us and feel confident in how to improve your fitness. So we're just giving these guidelines. Absolutely. And as a reminder, these guidelines come from ACSM. And ACSM is also a very credible source for personal training and personal training guidelines. So this is public, public okay. resources anyone could use. Okay. Now you have a little bit more education on how to design a program, what to do in that program. But I do want to touch on, again, when it goes to what you prefer to do, how you like to do it, but just variation. You can design it in a circuit style. Pamela talked about circuit training and how she got started through circuit training. You could do it in HIT training. So, so let's kind wait, of define that. Hit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. HIT training is high intensity interval training. It usually is a high, like it says, higher intensity. It's not for the beginner. It's shorter intervals usually than like a traditional circuit. And in these intervals of work, 
it's supposed to be hard. And so you would want to work out at an RPE. Let's explain what RPE is. Um, right now, Pamela, you want to say that? All right, yeah. RPE is rate of perceived exertion. So it's just, what do you think you're exuding? What effort? And we want to consider this on a scale of like one to 10. So 10 being super, super hard, lots of effort. One being not exuding much effort at all. And this helps us indicate how intense the workout is for you. Yeah, someone's RPE, if Pamela's at an eight, it might not be the same as what I'm at. So it's really self-reflective, mm -hmm. I guess. But when you're doing HIIT training, that RPE needs to be up there. And so that's the difference between, I guess, high intensity interval training and just a different circuit training style. And commonly people don't really do HIIT training correctly unless they're going to classes or um, a Being setup pushed. or group, group <laughs> fitness. Because HIIT training, knowing that RPE scale now, HIIT training usually has you at a good nine almost. Mm -hmm all the time at your highest intensity for those movements. Yeah, which is why they're so effective in the fat burning or in getting uh, getting in better shape. You know, that's there's studies out there that that's the most effective way, but it's not always done correctly or for everyone. Yeah. Uh, okay, so now another way to train or format your program is through, I'm gonna go through some of these terminologies that you might have heard, you might know, you might not know. There's a lot of acronyms, EMOM, stands for every minute on the minute and that's basically you have one minute to complete a certain number of, of reps or certain types of exercises within that minute. I love this type of training. How would you set that up? Yeah, I think, well, it could be any way, but let's say I'm going to do a bench press and I'm doing eight reps and I'm doing it five times. So it's a EMOM. Every minute I have to do eight bench presses since I said five rounds is going to be five minutes. So, oh, so that one makes minute sense. I do eight reps and whatever time's remaining, then I get to rest. As soon as that second hand hits the top of the clock or top of the minute, then I have to do another eight reps. And then and as soon as that second hand hits the top of the minute, I have to do another eight reps until the five minutes are complete. I like using these EMOMs for my classes. They make the heart rate elevate and they also keep me going without completely staying at a resting phase. So It's nice to keep on target or on time because if I'm just doing sets and reps, I might be resting too long or I might get distracted and I'm talking to someone in the gym. But if this is timing me, then it helps you know get my workout done in a set time. I also like these because it can be as hard as you want it to be or as easy as you want it to be. So I just gave the example of eight reps in a minute. If I chose a really heavy weight, that's probably gonna take me like the whole, like 30 seconds and doesn't give me a lot of rest time. If I chose a really easy weight, it might take me only a few seconds and have a lot of rest time. If I pair two or three exercises in that minute, it's gonna be hard because I'm not gonna have a lot of rest time, but I'm doing more in it. So yeah, I really like these. Uh, another one, this is what I've been known as for so long, is known as a drop set or superset or triset or burn set. Oh, I I'm love supersets. I'm the super queen sets. of burn. And I've been told that in my classes. I think this is also how I love training. I love to make that muscle burn. So we'll just briefly say like a drop set is when you choose a weight and you do a certain number of reps and then you go into a lighter weight and you do a certain number of reps and you go into another lighter weight and do a certain number of reps all with the same exercise. You are dropping the weight each set and it's just really gonna fatigue those muscles and make it burn. Yep. I love that, make it burn. <laughs> Super set is usually choosing two 
exercises, two separate exercises, doing them back to back without rest in between, and then resting after. So give us an example of that. Superset, bicep movement and a tricep movement back to back. So bicep curls and tricep extensions. Yeah, so that could be thrown in, formatting. And, and similar rep. to triset too. Yeah, triset tri and superset are similar. The only difference between superset is you got two, mm -hmm. and triset you have three that you do back three to things. back to back. Yeah. AMRAP stands for as many rounds as possible or as many reps as possible. So if I were to say, Pamela, we are going to do a five minute AMRAP, what would that look like? So let's do a push up right and jumping jacks mm -hmm. as my AMRAP. And we have five sets of each, but five minutes for those. So I'm going to do my push-ups, five of them, and my jumping jacks, five, as many times as, as I can within as those five minutes. So <laughs> my goal isn't to get five, it's to get six, because I only have five minutes. Yeah, so yeah, it's a, another way to kind of just push yourself. These are hard, because it's just go, 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 because it's as many rounds as you can get in that time frame. <laughs> Okay, another one, a couple more real quick, Tabata. Tabata is 20 seconds on, 10 seconds rest, and technically it's eight rounds of one single thing for 20 seconds on, 10 second rest, eight rounds. Now these can be varied. A lot of people have done 20 seconds on, 10 rest for less than eight rounds, or they pair things together, but technically Dr. Tabata, the one that actually created this whole term, it was named after him, it was based on the high intensity interval training format style and he became known from the 20 seconds on 10 off for the eight rounds being so effective in training and getting you in shape. So that's what a Tabata is. What about um, tempo? Tempo, tempo reps, yes. Um, it's where you, you know, define how slow or how fast you're performing this movement or I these reps. I love using these yeah. for training with clients, yep. specifically because our clients have us so that we can keep them accountable and slow them down and control their movements, mm -hmm. right? So tempo, we like to use usually in the downward phases or the return to start phases because mm -hmm. that's where it's the hardest. So yeah. three second tempos are my favorites. Let's say a bicep curl, we start curling upwards and then at a descend of the bicep curl, we have three second tempos coming down at a three, two, one, and that is the burner. Yeah, I tell people a lot, that you don't have to always go heavier to make your workout more intense. You can just slow down those reps and I guarantee that that exercise is gonna be harder with your normal weight that you always use if you just slow down those reps. So you can slow it down, like she said, three seconds, five seconds. You can also do pause reps where you hold it after you get to that, um, that top or, or down phase. There's a lot of variation. Again, that's what we're trying to tell you. Okay, one more, what's DOMS? DOMS, I don't like this. <laughs> DOMS is delayed onset muscle soreness. Yep. This is the soreness you feel after the workouts. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, usually on the second or third day, they feel worse. Yep, yep. And so that's where you always want to try to incorporate that active recovery after your workout. So like the next day, you might feel so sore, you don't want to do something but try to do something that's low intensity, get that blood flow back to the muscles so those muscles can you know, repair and regenerate quicker. Yeah, get that oxygenated blood. Yes, going. absolutely. Yep. Cool, okay, well, if you guys have any questions on any of these terms or on how to design your own workout program, feel free to let us know, but hopefully you're able to learn something, take away and be able to build your own program now.
Yeah. You don't need us. We have no more need for a job. But we can help you with <laughs> feedback if you need any yes, feedback. Absolutely. Great set, everyone. Let's cool down. Okay, Pamela. So what's one thing that you want someone to take away from this podcast? Overall, the education on the terminology. Okay. Yeah. Terminology is so important. And as, at least if people know the words or the exercises, I think that they'll be pretty good on figuring out additional programming. But just knowing the foundations of what a basic squat is, what is a deadlift, what is a bench, mm -hmm. Because those, if people don't know that, we won't even know where to start. Yeah. Mine is, even if you don't know what to do, just do something. Like, just start somewhere. Just move. So, like, just go for a walk and be consistent with everything, anything you do. So, I know a lot of times people don't know what to do, so they default to something. I just, right now, if you don't know what to do, just do something. Yeah, good idea. Okay, very last thing. Name one resource or support that has helped you in your overall fitness journey. Do you have something? Yeah, the support that has helped me in my overall wellness journey, fitness journey, has just been the support from external people in the area of fitness, the industry itself, you know, the exposure of co-workers in fitness, the exposure of the members coming in and always constantly working on themselves as well, and that kind of external passion that you can see from others is really what supports me in wanting to light that factor, that passion in myself. Cool. Yeah. Um, mine's kind of like that too. I think my number one support, I'm not going to say resource, is others, but I will just tap into anyone that kind of can hold me accountable. So like if I'm going to tell you, Pamela, that I'm going to go swim today after work and then next time I come into work, I can't lie. And so just telling you that I'm going to do something has helped hold me accountable. So if it's um, telling somebody or just scheduling a workout with somebody, then that helps hold me accountable. That's my support. That's helped me in my fitness journey overall. I think us humans are just people that need, need other people. Others, that's right. Okay, so now coming up, we have another podcast coming soon. You don't want to miss it because it's all about what resources are available to you for your health. So fitness resources, wellness, health, nutrition, it's all on the Be Well portal page, but even more with the Be Well ERG. So real page employees, get ready, tune in, subscribe to us, follow us. We have all of our social media stuff in the notes of this podcast. Subscribe. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you share the OC podcast with your coworkers. For more great content and community, connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.